This is the Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. This is the Anfield Wrap live at Liverpool Sound City. I'm Neil Atkinson and here's some people who will hopefully make some noise. Whitey, yes. It's going to be a long, long day. Out in the audience is John Gibbons as part of this bacchanal of Liverpool fun and frolics. John, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Who have you seen so far who's good? Oh, uh, the Bohicas last night, they were really good. Sean just put his hand up and saw Sean, he was terrific. Was he? In that green room, putting that free booze away. <laughs> it was a sight to behold. On the panel with us there today, before we get into the audience, is Sean Rogers, Simon Hughes, Mike Gerling and Mike Nevin. Uh, the title of today's show is Operation Blue Buy-In. This is a massive, ma if you know an Evertonian, you want to get them listening to this show. This is a massive hand of friendship and olive branch going out to our Evertonian friends. We'll get onto that in a minute. We'll also get onto how the next transfer window for Liverpool is a bit weird. And we'll talk, obviously, about Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. But before then, Operation Blue Buy-In starts now. I've asked the opening question, pick an all-time Everton five-a-side team. Sean Rogers. Um, I'm going to try and have a link to Liverpool, but I can't think of a keeper. So... I'm going to go Southall and goal. I'm going to go Gary Ablett. I'm going to go Steve McMahon, obvious reasons, Peter Beardsley, and Kevin Sheedy. Ooh, okay. Cy Hughes. We've all had the same idea, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sandra Vesterveld in goal. Wounded. A little bit of a lone spell here. Um, Abel Xavier, Nicky Barnby. Hey, and uh, Peter Beardsley and Steve McMahon. Mike Gerling. I've forgotten how many Liverpool players have played for We've <laughs> just seen that there. Um, well, yeah, they've totally stole my thunder there, but you've missed David Johnson off. But uh, I think, uh, no, if we're going to really extend the hand of friendship, I'm going to put Harvey Kendall Ball in there. Good lad. Very, very good indeed. Alex Young should also be in there. Mike Nevin. I think the other lads have forgotten the fact that it's Operation uh, Blue Buy-In, so uh, I, I didn't go along those lines. I'm going for Southall, I'm going Trevor Stephen on the right, Baines on the left, Alan Ball in the middle, and the arch poacher Lineker up front. John? I want to go on the Nevin route as well. I want the Blue Buy-In, we've got to do this properly, haven't we? So it's got to be big Nevin goal, because five-a-side, he'd fill it. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, David Unsworth at the back, because you've got to respect everything of your Tony and who goes to another club. But if it's a head-height rule... <laughs> I'm just saying he tried to sign for another club and just couldn't cope with it at all. Fair, po fair point. He lost his head, so you've got to begin. Brian Lebone, because you've got to respect anyone who's got an area of Liverpool named after them. Yeah, Lebone Town. If you don't know about Lebone Town, by the way, you're a visitor to Liverpool sitting in here. If you go down by um, the, where the old uh, shipping industry used to be around the India buildings and the back of there, basically every picture has a pub, uh, sorry, every pub has a picture of Lebone in it. That is Lebone's set bit of town. Lebone used to call all the shots there. <laughs> Yeah, so buying the bone. Uh, Wayne Rooney, just off the front man, because, you know, once a blue, always a blue. That's his top. I'm going with him. And uh, up front, you just got to go for Ferguson, haven't you? What a guy. Big dunk. With the tattoo. Always loved him. Yeah. Just, a lot of time for him. Imagine. On the coaching staff now, so obviously always a lot more intelligent than he came across. Ju just imagine the post-match drinks in the pub with that lineup. It's a strong one. Well, Brian Lebone and nowhere to go. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. He's had everyone boxed off. No one will be paying. Uh, that's the way in which LeBone rolls. Okay, okay then. Before we get on to fretting over the weekends, because that's all we're doing, uh, Liverpool was strongly linked with Adam Lallana this week. I think he looks a good player. The stats lads have all had their say. God bless them. And uh, what do you think, Mike Nevin? Well, I agree. He looks like a good player. Um, the, the only concern I've got with him, really, is that he, he seems to lack a, a little bit of pace and how that necessarily would fit in with Liverpool's style of late, which is very much about pace, um, 
speed on the counter attack. Uh, but it's certainly in terms of his, his of his invention, then he looks the kind of player that we should be after. And if you put it into a very recent context and breaking teams down with a little bit more imagination at times, then you know he would uh, certainly fit the bill in that uh, regard. Mike Gerling. So we're taking it seriously. I've been away for a week. We're taking a lot of seriously. It's genuine, is it? Well, I I don't I don't necessarily um, think being able a fast runner is the same as being quick. If you know what I mean. I don't think Coutinho's quick, but he's he's not fast. Sorry, but he's quick. I think Lallana moves the ball quite fast. So I think he would fit very well in our, in our setup, and he's got a good beard. <laughs> Simon Hughes, also with a good beard. <laughs> Ginger one, though, isn't it? That's the problem. But, um, yeah, I believe that, uh, that interest is, is genuine, um, from what I've been told. I mean, the, the thing that I like about him is, is, is the fact that he, despite his relatively tender age, he's had quite a lot of experience for, like, he's 25, I suppose, isn't he? But... I think um, you know to go from Southampton, where they've had so many relegations over a number of like years, and then to come back up and to be given the club captaincy, he's obviously got a bit of character about him. So I think you know, particularly at Liverpool, where you know you need to have a character, I think that that bodes well. What what I like about Sean is the fact that he can play a number of positions. He doesn't just play, he, he can go anywhere across that three, maybe even drop into midfield. That's worked really well for Liverpool this season, hasn't it? Having these players who can who can multifunction. Yeah, definitely. If you're looking at Sterling and Coutinho, we're lacking, say, one or two others of the same sort of ability that you could plug in for them or replace them with, especially with hopefully more games next season. I think the interesting thing is to separate the playing ability from, say, value and whether the fee's right and things. If you're just looking at whether he's a good player, I think the thing that I like the most is his rate of improvement. Um, There's a couple of lads who are at Liverpool who are now playing lower league football who are in the England under-19 squad with him. And they didn't think he could tie his own shoelaces, let alone make it as a professional footballer. So if you'd have told them that he was going to be playing for Southampton in the Premier League and going to a World Cup, they'd never have believed you. So if he's at that rate of improvement and he's got that kind of a mentality and he continues that, I think he'd be a big asset for Liverpool. Whether we'd end up overpaying and value and all that kind of thing is a different kettle of fish. But I, I think he'd need to improve a bit and he'd need to continue to develop his game. But I think he'd be at the right place to do that and, and he's past record of doing that which seems to suggest that there's no reason why he can't keep developing it's interesting this John this whole sort of looking at next season thing is interesting that one it's dead hard because all you want to do is think about this season but there's people at the football club who've got to do it but two the other, the other thing that grabs me about this as well is about 12 months ago I'd have gone well you need to buy someone like this you need to buy someone like this you need to buy someone like this and they'll go in the first team but because the rate of improvement from Sterling from uh, Henderson it's very difficult to say you're buying people now for the first team and this is where they come in you know you don't want to be buying squad players but that might be where we end up it may well do yeah what the positive I think at the moment is that in terms of attracting players last summer we obviously found it really difficult and this year it'll be easy uh, because we're in the Champions League and things like that so you can generally attract the highest standard of player but you're right in that when you think there's not that many guys out there who get in our team at the moment because we're the best team in the country and so it's you look at it, maybe other people, you say, but there's not enough of them, and there isn't enough of them to, you know, if we're going to be playing Champions League football and we want to give the other cups a good go as well. But what I've found positive about the Lanana thing is apparently he really wants to come, and everyone's, everyone's having a bit of a look at him, aren't they? I'm sure there's varying, varying degrees of seriousness, but apparently he's saying, no, that's where I want to be, and I think that's going to be the case for a lot of particularly young British players who you can see, as you say, you see what you, we've done with people like Henderson and Sterling and think, that's the coach I want to work for. That's the style of football I want to be playing. And that's the place to be at the moment if, you know, if, you, if you're that age. 
Victor, isn't it, Mike? If you were, you know, if you're, if you're, let's use Luke Shaw as an example, just simply because he's a highly rated player. If you were advising Luke Shaw, you'd be seriously saying to him, "You want to really think about Liverpool. Liverpool's where you'll get, you'll, you'll improve, you'll get games, you'll be trusted." You know, if you're young now and an English player, you're thinking Liverpool for me. Well, without a doubt, and obviously, you know, a, a British coach as well, um, which is which is a key thing. But I also think it extends to Europe as well. Uh, last season, last summer, uh, we, we aimed relatively high with the likes of Mkhitaryan. But of course, we didn't have the, uh, you know, the, 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 the tempting aspect that is Champions League football, which we've obviously got this season. We've directly qualified for the group stages, so there's no issue with that. So Liverpool can aim high. And also, given the fact that there's the additional money from Champions League, it's not just that. We didn't spend any money in January. So there should be a decent uh, amount of money in the coffers for us to invest in players from uh, home and abroad. The sort of player we need, it strikes me as dead in chest and side. You know, the profile of player now has become complicated. They need to have genuine pace. They need to be good in the tackle, even if they're in the front six. They need to be technically really, really good. But you don't necessarily want anyone who's going to tick all those boxes and come in and be the main man, because we've got a lot of main men. So, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's actually, you're going to end up paying a lot of money to get someone who ticks all those boxes, because those players are few and far between. But they're not necessarily going to come in and be an obvious first name on the team sheet, defo starter. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what I just said before as well. It's not, it's not just you know about the, all the, t- the technical ability and everything else. I think you know, in terms of the, the character and being able to deal with maybe not being the main man every week, you know, coming in and then like Joe Allen's had to do that, hasn't he, for uh, for the for eighteen months really, realizing that he was playing every week at Swansea, and he's come to Liverpool and he's had spells in and out the team and learning to deal with the fact that. Sometimes he isn't going to play, but I think he's, he's got his head around that now. So, you know, Lallana might find, find himself in a similar position, I'd imagine, maybe, maybe next season. But with the added Champions League games, he, he is going to get more of an opportunity. And there's a lot of players who will be in the same boat. It's a nice problem to have, isn't it, Mike Gurley? Well, it is. And also, we are going to guaranteed uh, how many extra games we're going to have next year, guaranteed at, at the highest level in the <laughs> Champions League. So... You know, we're going to need a squad. There's also, there's no guarantee that a player who performs one season carries on performing the next. Especially a young player. It's not necessarily linear, the improvement. They, they drop in, they drop out, they drop in, they drop out of form. So, I think even if, like, going back to Gibbo's point about, you know, who'd you put in? Who'd you put in the team? Who's better than you've got? Well, who's better right now is not necessarily the same question you need to ask in six months' time. You know, Sterling might have a dip in form. You need other players. We're going to need other players because we've got more games of a higher standard. Yeah, I think I also think it's important we make um, a statement of intent fairly early because we've got to try and show prospective signings. Like you were talking about Luke Shaw then. Um, if you were his agent playing devil's advocate, you'd say, how do we know this isn't a flash in the pan? You know, how do we know they're going to be in the Champions League? If you're going to sign a four or five-year deal, how do we know they're going to be there for, for keeps for the next two or three years? And I think if Liverpool can go and make an early signing, then I think you get that buy-in from prospective targets. It's just another layer of that's the place to be. That, that is maybe the up-and-coming team that I want to join. Yeah, it's a, it's a manager's contract as well is important, isn't it, to get that sorted, I think, because that gives a player an extra level of security, doesn't it? If Brendan Rodgers signs his contract maybe a week after the season's finished and Manchester United are still trying to sort out what they're doing, I'd imagine that if you don't know who the manager is going in, although I'm sure they'd be well advised, who it, and it does look like it's going to be Van Gaal. You, you know, it's it's another it's another you know box tick for Liverpool, isn't it? If they get that sorted. I think there's another issue as well, which is um, people that had we not qualified for the Champions League, for example, um, and this was the case last season. There was some talk about Johnson and Aga and whether they should be offered new contracts or you know whether we should essentially just keep hold of them. 
I think given the nature of next season and the extra games, there's a decision to be made as far as both of those players are concerned. Are we going to try and sort of cash in with Johnson before he reaches the end of his contract? Are we going to let Aga go whilst he's still quite a saleable asset? And then if you decide that, then obviously that means that you've got to be looking for other players to cover them leaving. So in that sense, I think it makes more sense to be thinking more along the lines of keeping those players as opposed to letting them go, which might not have been the case a year ago. OK, John Gibbons. Yeah, I've got a question. Not prepped. It could be anything. Go on. Hi, guys. Just a question to say. We're talking mainly attacking players here. In my opinion, we're conceding like two goals a game most weeks. Don't we need to be thinking about the defence? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's not seemingly, though, is he? The manager's you know, going, going hard on Lallana, so that's the point. But, I mean, I guess, I guess it is. We did this all the way through last summer. I think it's dead funny. All the way through last summer, everyone went, we've got to get this sorted at the back. And the manager went, no, we'll just score 100 goals. <laughs> and, no, I think there's something in that, you know, that decision. But he obviously wants to tighten it up, Sean, doesn't he? You know, he's, he's made noises like that. There was the nice little run of three nails that we had earlier in the season. It's whether or not this is individuals or this is systemic. That's the key question, isn't it? Is it individuals or is this always... Are we, could we just have this conversation in perpetuity, whoever we buy, Sean? Yeah, under Rodgers, I think you need to be looking at individuals. Um, you know, if you look at the great Man United teams, that they needed centre-halves that could be one-on-one against anyone. So they needed, you know, they needed to have a bit of pace. They needed to be good in the air. They needed to be great on the deck. They needed to be great markers. You know, so you know, your Ferdinands, your, your Vidiches in their peak players like that, they needed to tick all of those boxes. Now, if you've got Rafa as your manager, um, the system and the way that he sets his team up can protect some of them deficiencies. It's, it's not too much of a problem. If you've got a manager like Rodgers and you're going to have that style of play, then, you know, not saying whether, talking about Sacco's ability, but the type of player that Sacco is, it's that type of individual that you need to bring in, someone who's got the pace, the power, the strength, the aerial prowess, because you are going to be leaving your team very high up the pitch. Excellent stuff. This has been part one of the Anfield Wrap live at Sound City. Uh, City Talk 105.9. There's going to be a break, and then it's real full commitment to Operation Blue Buying. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back, the Anfield Wrap at Sound City. City Talk 105.9. It's Sound City 14. They keep banging on about this. Use the hashtag. Your lads have got very aggressive today, pitching you on this hashtag. I want them to leave me alone. It's been fantastic so far. I had a great night last night. Mostly got drunk with Steve Armstrong. Recommend that if you're, coming around, if you're going to be around for the rest of the weekend. Um, that's why I'm practically shaking. Uh, John Gibbons, you went home early? I did. Well, we had an we insane Wednesday night, which no one tells you about when Sound City, when you get these delegate wristbands, no one tells you about the, the cheeky Wednesday they throw in before, where they give you loads of free gin, and then go, yeah, and then go home. You're not going home, are you? We ended up doing karaoke in Woody's bar. Woody's bar, 2am, karaoke. It was, out, it was out of order. It was outrageous. Uh, okay, okay, keeping us moving along then. Everton are a great set of lads. I won't have a word said against Everton. They are a great set of lads. All those words I used to say about them being ugly and that didn't mean any of them. They're a great set of lads, the Blues. Um, who's the best-looking Evertonian you know, John? Uh, a guy called Matthew Garner. He's in a band. He's very handsome. Good. He's not the only one, though. There's a lot of good-looking <laughs> Blues out there, isn't there? A lot of good-looking Blues. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of them play for Everton. Oh, the gorgeous lads. Every single one of them. I love them. I love the mighty boys in blue. They're fantastic. So this week, what I want you to do, if you listen to this at home, in the car, uh, going along, or if you're in the audience here at Sound City, I want you to perpetrate between now and tomorrow at half past five a random act of kindness for an Evertonian. I want you to think about what your random act of Evertonian kindness will be. I want to make sure that you perpetrate one. So has anyone got a random act of kindness lined up that they want to, want to share with us from the panel? Anyone got any ideas as to what they're going to do to make an Evertonian's life better and make them think slightly better about Liverpool? 
Any ideas? Copy this art. I gave some money to a tramp before, and I had a, a semblance of a feeling that he might have been a blue. But the, after your comments about me looking like a vagrant, I, just, I was just given to my own kind. <laughs> any other takers? Can anyone come up with any rationale? I, would, I was going to offer to give them all lifts to the game, but then I realised that they all live on County Road anyway. So, waste of time. They can sort that out themselves. They can sort it out themselves. They can sort it out themselves. Uh, anyone want to say something nice about Tony Hibbert? Great lad. Always has a good tea. Anyone got anything nice to say about Tony Hibbert? Love him to pieces. He's, he's a great, great fisherman, isn't he? He's I believe angling and stuff like that. He's supposed to be incredible. They, Tony, love, they love fishing, don't they? What, Evertonians? Yeah. Is this a thing, is it? Yeah. yeah. Random after kindness then this weekend. <laughs> buy an Evertonian a packet of fish fingers. There's one. Anyone got any other moves on this? He's got more, more Tony Hibbert stuff. He's actually got a carp fishery in France. But when he went over to buy it, that was the first time he'd ever been abroad. He's Everton's, Everton's leading um, appearance holder, appearance in, holder Europe. in Europe. Yeah. Tony Hibbert is Everton's leading appearance holder in Europe, Mike. Wasn't a literal comment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the pedanticism of this isn't going well. But Blues like pedanticism, don't they, John? Does that, this could work for them as well. I think all the Evertonians I know are just completely chocked about tomorrow. One of my mates has arranged the game of cricket. Just so, just, just so he doesn't have to go and just so he doesn't have to think about it. I think, I think, I think they're going to struggle. I, they all say they want them to get beat, but I think when you actually go, if you go in the ground and you're there and, you, and your team are playing, I think other things just take over. It's happened with us in the past, and I, think, I don't think you can help it. I think this idea of City scoring and them all cheering, I just think it's a nonsense. They're I mean, a proper football club, for God's sake. They are a proper football club, much more so than Manchester City, who are a gang of spineless fools. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is the, you know, Sean, this is the key thing here for me is, you, Martinez has been fantastic all season. He said all the right things this week, but these footballers, the proper footballers, they're not going to mess around. They're going to want to win the game of football that's presented to them. Yeah, we were saying in the green room before that you know the, the proper footballers, the professionals, some of them in there are Liverpool fans, some of the people in the, in the management are no doubt uh, Liverpool fans. There's a win bonus there. There's money for Premier League places. World Cup. Yeah, there's the World Cup. There's there's trying to secure fifth place. Um, you know, we were talking in the Still green room. Still got a sniff of fourth. Yeah, when we were talking in the green room before about you know whether it, whether it helps their European ranking if they get fifth, and th- there's more than enough re- reason there for them to go out and perform to the best. And and I, and I think I think that the. They will, and, w- and look, we've got experience of this from 1995 as well, haven't we? So, you know, it, it, it's a situation where we we know that the players are going to go out and deliver because that's exactly what our boys did, and, and they didn't have anything to play for that day. Okay, some stats: Everton have lost two home games this season. Manchester City have only managed to win half their away games. Manchester City, Simon Hughes, have uh, only beaten two sides away from home in the current top ten. Um, those sides are Spurs and Manchester United, and neither of them have been very good at football this season. Uh, they've also basically Everton have got this terrific home record they're rock solid we're worried about this we all think you know City will turn up and they'll roll them over because City are good and good and good but ultimately the actual evidence the cold evidence points that it's going to be a remarkably tough game for Manchester City if it was anyone but Everton we'd be saying they've got it they've got a hell of an afternoon ahead of them I think you know the with Man City, historically, they've always kind of struggled along when they really need to... They're know, a terrible to do, lads. Yeah. They yeah. really are. <laughs> but, you know, with City, you kind of think that what can go wrong, you know, will go wrong. So that's kind of, that's the thing you, you're clinging on to, I suppose. I know even when they won the league, uh, was it two, two seasons ago now, they kind of stumbled through that last game um, against QPR, who probably one of the worst teams I've seen in, in the Premier League, I reckon. Hmm. And they could have quite easily lost that game. So I don't think it's a given that you know they're going to go through the last three, last three games and, and just just win. Um, 
Because if you, if you look at it, there's never been kind of a title race, really, where there's still three teams. Has there been one in the last 20 years where there's, there's three teams? I'm the, thinking there was the year when Arsenal won all those games yeah. and we came second and United came third. And for a while, the sides were bunched for ages like this. But then they pulled away game 36, 37 and, 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 and nailed it. Uh, no, no teams ever just kind of steamed through the last couple of games. And I, I just think there will be another twist and turn. I mean... Particularly Villa, Villa are a strange team as well. Yeah, it's not just they, they are a weird team. Like they, they came to to Anfield and they I'm brilliant the first half. They're, they're, they're better away players. from home. They yeah. are at home. So I mean, I, I still think even if if Everton uh, you know don't win on on Saturday, it's it's definitely not by no means settled. That that really upset the Blues. That yeah. <laughs> what 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 would worry me, Mike? Uh, either Mike will go Gailing first. What would worry me about this is Everton need to win. And City mm. need to win. A draw's mm. no good for either side, really. Mm. And that's why it could be mad last 75. Yeah. So after sorry, when 75's gone, it could be a really strange game of football because both sides do need to go and get that winner. And so therefore, you know, we, we, we'd all be saying it afterwards. And I'm quite sincere about this on Operation Blue Buy-In, but it's not the Operation Blue Buy-In side. I genuinely believe Everton will do everything they can to get a result. But it's very, very possible that if it's 1-1 or 2-2 with 10 to go and City score, it's not because Everton have thrown it away, it's because Everton need to win the football match. And that's something which I think, don't back to the fact going, oh, well, they bottled it there and decided to roll over or anything like that, because that's out of order. If they've got to 80 and it's 2-2, they haven't bottled anything. They've just pushed themselves along. But that's the way the game could well play out, isn't it, Mike Gerling? Well, that's if they want to go for a fourth spot Champions League qualifier. And that's the way they play football anyway. Martinez wants to win. Yeah, but I think... The, what they also need to be mindful of, though, is that don't they still need points to guarantee um, Europa League football? Well, they'll probably come sixth, but then you've got to qualify, and they wouldn't want to qualify either. If they, they want to finish as high up the table as they can, but he's going to want to win the football match. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think City will. will I don't think, I don't think we should be that obsessed with this game because, as, as I agree with Sam, there's still, there's still Villa as well, and I think they're capable of doing very strange things as, as our City. But I think Everton. We'll go, I think City will find it tough at Goodison. I don't think it's, I don't think they've got a great record there at all. Anyway, it's a tough place to go, isn't it, Mike Nevin? Yeah, they're great set They make the, a great noise. They can call for a handball like no other side in the country. I love them. I suspect that might not be the case on Saturday, though. Um, it will be a very strange atmosphere because you know there's no getting away from the fact that there's a high percentage of Evertonians that aren't interested in getting a result from this this fixture and. That's the nature of football and football support, and I haven't really got an issue with that, to be perfectly honest. So I don't think the atmosphere comes into play whatsoever, but I do think that the professionalism of footballers is quite an important factor here. Um, and I, I think there might be an essence of the Everton players thinking, you know, picking up on this vibe from, from the Everton fans and thinking, well, actually, no, we're professional footballers, we've got a duty, we've got an integrity to ourselves and to our season, because it's been a great season for Everton. And I think they will want to go out on a high note. Um, but as you rightly pointed out at the beginning, it's a downside for Liverpool that uh, three points is really a necessity for the Champions League aspect. But Mike's right about the, the one-point thing. If it comes down to the last five, do they you know, sort of have what they hold? Uh, let's hope so. I think, I think Martinez as well. He, he is the most positive manager I've, I've ever heard, really. I mean, I, I can't imagine him you know, not having the team set up properly for this game. And for his point of view, it'll be the second season he's qualified a team for Europe. So, he's, you know, that's a big incentive for him. And if they do do that, I mean, I'm sure it'll give him more kind of leeway when he's trying to discuss transfer budgets with the manager, uh, with the chairman for over the summer. So, 
for him, I think it's it's a it's a huge game for him as well. The biggest issue really is Everton's fitness levels yeah. um, and the key players that might play. Well, obviously Barry can't play because of the, the loan situation, and of course they've got the likes of Jagielka, Baines possibly playing when you know to all intents and purposes, might not be fully fit. They've got the worst injury record in the league at the moment. Got, yeah, so I had a look on physio room the other day. In the top, top of the league. <laughs> top, of the, top of the physio league, aren't they? <laughs> Nine <laughs> players between, out. Between looking at that and looking at the fixtures to see if they've changed and then going back to that and then looking at the table again. Yeah, I'm, the, terrible, I'm not doing I, a lot of work. The table that's my face. biggest worry. I, I personally think it'll, it could work in our favour in that I think if Everton had a full squad with the way City play, I think that that Martinez might have fancied going toe-to-toe at home. And I think if you look at his tactics against uh, United, he was very sensible. He actually he didn't play the brand of football that he normally plays. He sat very deep, counter-attacked really well. And I, and I think, in a way, Everton need to be a bit more like Moyes than like Martinez to, to get a result on Saturday. And I think the injury crisis means I think he might revert to the United tactics, which I actually think would suit this game and give them the best chance of a result. I think... You know, he showed his pragmatism in that fixture, and I think the injuries will force him to. Whereas I think if he had a full squad, he'd go toe for toe. Okay, for the first time ever, then on this uh, on this show, I'm going to actually ask for a, a prediction for a game that is the Liverpool game. Uh, so I'm going to ask for your prediction for um, Everton versus Manchester City. Mike and Everton first. I'm going one-one. Mike Gurley. Two-nil Everton. Simon Hughes. Nil-nil. All right, Simon. <laughs> Doesn't actually matter. Just at the moment. Is it just a moment? Is that just a yeah, moment, yeah, do you yeah. think? Yeah, I just think nil-nil. can see that. It's Phil Fish, John, from Sideviews. I don't know where he's got that from. It's got me going that a bit, you know, that nil-nil talk. I'm interested. Talk me through it. Yeah, I'm really, I always feel, like, feel like you should write this down in some way. Uh, Sean Rogers. I feel really guilty, 2 nil City. 2 nil City, that's all right. You can feel guilty. It's a, you know, listen, you know, the Blues, the complex beasts, we know this. Uh, but we're all, uh, to use the line that I'm going to use, Ick Bin, I'm Blau. This weekend, that's what we're all doing. Ich bin ein Blau, or you know, to paraphrase Jacques Chirac, we are all Evertonians now. Um, so I want to find out who's the biggest, the biggest blue on the panel, John. And, I've ri- and I haven't written a quiz. James Corbett, who is the author of the Everton Encyclopedia, has written a quiz, and I've added one question. I think I've got this somewhere as well. I'm gonna you have got that somewhere, John. We're better organised when we're up in the tower. There's a desk. Pretty slick. It's not doing it all slick. with paper. So I'll ask the first question while John sorts that out. Um, and with the way this works, panel, you've got to put your hand up and we're going to see which of you is the biggest blue. What year did the live bird first appear on a football shirt? Quick, it's radio, come on lads. <laughs> uh, Mike Nevin first, then Sean, then Simon, go on Mike. Nevin, Mike. 1888. Simon Hughes. 1878. No, none of you have got it, 1885, it was Everton. Uh, next question. Which fellow Northeasterner did Harry Catrick want to make his Everton trainer in 1961? Quick, lads. They're not, they're not understand the radio thing, John. Gerling, Mike. Bob Paisley. He's right, 1-0, Mike Gerling. He leads the way. <laughs> He's the biggest blue so far. I'll go. Who is Gordon Clegg? Who is Gordon Clegg? I'll give you a clue. It's soap opera in Manchester. What? Lost us on that one. An no, Evertonian. <laughs> These are terrible Evertonians. Terrible. Bill Kenwright as Betty Turpin's son in Coronation Street. The next one I'm not going to ask as a question. Why did Everton's most... This is James who wrote this one. Why did Everton's most recent investment plan fail? Because Gordon was left out of Betty's will. Next one along. Who scored the winner in Everton's first FA Cup final win in 1906? He's the author of the Everton Encyclopedia. He takes it seriously, James Corbett. 
There's no takers there either. It's Sandy Young. Gerling still leads one to zero. Uh, what is this one? Isn't a serious one. What is Brian LeBone's theory of footynomics? Footy what? Footynomics, as in economics, but without the N and with footy at the start. <laughs> it's algebra, sort of. What's his theory? Yeah, of footynomics. Does it involve the exchange it does. on Old Old Street? <laughs> well, it's a exchange. One blue equals 20 reds. Oh, That's right. the old LeBone quote, and I, for one, sign up to that this weekend. He's a great lad, isn't he? LeBone, great lad. Great lad indeed. Next, some good pups. Next one along, um, and this is the one I wrote. Last two players booked in the Merseyside derby for diving. <laughs> Phil Neville. Go on. Girly Mike. Um. Oh. No, okay. That's Any other blade. takers? You get the second one, you have the point. I can't believe no one remembers, but then no one ever made a fuss about it. It was Ross Barkley. Last two players to be oh, booked okay. in the Merseyside Derby for diving. That's why you should never take the model high ground in football. You'll always be made to look daft. John? Who scored twice in the 1989 FA Cup final? Stuart McCall. <sighs> Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers, Rogers, but he went for it. What was the aggregate score in the screen in the screen sports Super Cup final in 1986? Oh, Mike Nevin got there first. 7-2. Oh, it's 1-1-1. Hughes bringing up the rear. Next one along. <laughs> uh, do the next one, John. Oh, Dixie Dean is Everton's top all-time scorer. Who is second? You should all at least get to have a guess. This should be for the win. Rogers. Rogers say Latchford. No, no. he's good though, wasn't he? Rubbish. <laughs> Shh, Mike, stop it. Yeah. Next one. Cy Hughes. Dave Hickson. Not Dave Hickson, no. Next one. Sandy Brown. No, next one. <laughs> Terrible. Graham Shaw. It yeah. is Graham Shaw. Mike never takes the lead. Next one along. Who is Everton's most capped player? Internationally. Internationally capped. Mike Nevin. Uh, Kevin Ratcliffe. It's not Mike Gerling. Peter Beardsley. It's not. Cy Hughes. Neville Southall. He's right. He's got his point. Not bringing up the rear anymore. Uh, two more to go. Who is Everton's leading scorer this century? This century. Who's got more goals for Everton than anyone else? It's a great question, this. Loads of dead air. Do you like this one, John? This is my favourite. It's recent, like it's... What's well, this century, innit? Yeah, yeah. All oh, right. Leighton, Bain. Leighton Baines. No. It's not Leighton Baines. Evans' leading scorer this century. He's got a terrible celebration. Sorry, a great celebration. Yeah, it's a great celebration, Sorry. John. It's one of my favourites. Cy Hughes. Tim Cale. He, he gets himself back in with two points. So I think, if I get this right, uh, who's got two points? Cy's got two, Nevin's got two. Yeah, so just last question, just between them two. Between them two. But the person, to, the person to your right, you can confer with. They're yeah. on your team now. Yeah, okay. Uh, that, again, we're going for radio. What year was Simon. the league championship first lifted at Anfield? What year? What year was the league championship first lifted at Anfield? There's loads of conferring. This is my fault. I'll tell you the story about Bob Latchford. When Stephen Manorman used to play for Liverpool in training, when he'd shoot, he used to shout Latchford every time he hit it because he was a massive blue. I quite like that story. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah. Uh, he's quite attractive as well, isn't he? Stephen you know, Manorman. Yeah, well, they all are, aren't they? Gorgeous. They're gorgeous people. <laughs> Walk a mile in their shoes. See how, see how weather-beaten your face is. Come on, then. Uh, Simon, Simon, what's your answer? Simon Hughes, what's your answer? 1883. It's wrong. Mike Nevin. I think we'll go 84. Oh, it's been tactical. Oh, it's tactical, there, tactical but he's oh. won. It's 1891. Mike oh, Nevin is the biggest so blue weird. on the Anfield rap panel. <laughs> Mike Nevin is the blue. He's our top blue, John. And you does can he tell. Win? Sorry? Does he win? What does he win for being a top blue? Yeah. He, he wins four complimentary shouts of handball at any opportunity. He cares. Handball! Handball, man! <laughs> to be fair, there's enough season tickets milling around for him to have one of them, uh, isn't there? That's not Operation Blue by him, friendly, that's Sean. Uh, Mike Nevin knows his history. 
That's what we can confirm. Yeah, yeah. It's enough to make your heart go. Oh. <laughs> this is the Anfield rap Sound City 2019, Sound City 2014, live. Don't go anywhere. After the break on City Talk 105.9, we will actually talk about the mighty boys in red as they prepare to visit Tony Pulis's Roundheads. Don't go anywhere. The Anfield Rap on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back, the Anfield Rap City Talk 105.9. We're at Sound City. We're moving along as quickly as we can in order to be able to get back out there and watch more fantastic bands. Johnny, what are you looking forward to seeing tonight? Well, it's Wolf Alice, but I don't like talking about it. You're talking I'm, them down, aren't you? I'm trying to. I'm going to slag them off all over town because I'm really worried about how busy it's going to be because there's a lot of Wolf Alice talk. So uh, if you're listening, they're playing uh, 11 o'clock in the cathedral. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's going to be really good. Yeah, don't necessarily trust anything that comes out of John Gibbons' mouth there. I oh yeah, it... I probably should say I'm playing at 9 o'clock as well. In yeah, least. you're banned on that. Uh, and we've got our stage tomorrow night, so if you're coming down to where uh, Sound City, you can come and see people at our stage. Headline by Married to the Sea, it's lovely to see Sam there. Uh, Sam, do me a favour and just talk on that microphone for a second. Hello. Hello, last time Sam came on the Anfield Raft, Liverpool then won 5-1. So I feel as though we could have uh, looped that one round there and hopefully that'll work for us. Uh, so we're going to move along now. Other things to plug, because we plug things in this spot. Um, Simon's book, Simon Hughes's book, uh, Red Machine, which has won all sorts of awards and is the talk of the cafeterias of Europe. Uh, well worth getting into there. It's uh, ten, is it 11 interviews with uh, players from the 1980s yeah, in the end? It's 10 players and one manager. And Ronnie Moran. Sorry, Ronnie Moran, yeah. And Ronnie Moran, yeah. Well, he was the manager, wasn't yeah, he? of course, yeah. Okay, uh, so that's well worth get, get, getting hold of. And then the other thing as well is uh, the Anfield Rap magazine, which if you haven't seen, you should see. It's a multimedia delight. Uh, it's got all the video that you need in there. It's also got sounds, and it's got some fantastic writing, some of which was done by some of these men on the panel. Uh, what's your favourite thing in the magazine this month? The most recent one? Yeah. Um, all the stuff I did. You're back in your own right. <laughs> good. Good to back yourself to the hilt. Got to talk yourself up. Nobody else will. Um, where's Andy Heaton gone? Excellent. Need to find him in a second. Okay, then. Moving it along. Um, Pulis, then. Pulis. Sean, he's done a terrific job. You can't get away from the fact that he's done a terrific job. He's endlessly Pulis. I mean, there's no surprises. It's almost as though... Uh, one of the reasons why we put this at the end, and we're actually doing it quite short, is because... There's not a great deal to talk about. Nothing is going to surprise us, is it, on Monday night? No, he's predictably predictable, isn't he? Um, I, it's not about them, really. As you say, we know exactly what they're going to do. We know exactly how they're going to be. Um, yeah, I personally believe that we'll get the opposite of City's result. I think, I think if City don't get a result at Everton, I think the, the uh, injection of adrenaline and confidence that gives us um, I think we'd win well. I, th I think the big test for us is going to be if City get a win there. I haven't dealt with the, the car crash of last Sunday is, is how Liverpool prepare mentally for it. I, I think it's a big ask for Liverpool to win there if City win, especially if City win well on Saturday night. I think it's a big ask for Liverpool. And, and Poulos would, would take advantage of that, wouldn't he? Because that's, that's what he does. That's exactly what he does. I mean, Simon, what worries me about this one is it's, we're great at pressing. But and what, we get a fair few goals from the fact that we win the ball back quick, we, go turn, we turn them around fast. It's very difficult. It's the eternal problem. How do you press people who actively don't want the football? <laughs> I, th I think the big thing there is at Southhurst Park, it's the, p the pitch is so tight as well. You know, um, the concern is that you know, the ball's into the box and the, the throw-ins, which you know, they've used very, very well. But as you say, he hasn't changed at all from Stoke. He, even his, you know, his, his manner af after matches, like he turns up in press rooms and he's looking to get off straight away he's standing up he never never sits down he's just hasn't changed one bit the way the way they are and that that encourages me encourages me a little bit because i know um when he was at stoke 
the traditionally finished seasons quite badly. Once he, he was safe, it was like, well, that's it. You know, they target games that they thought they could win throughout the season, and then the other, you know, the top teams, they kind of well, they, they, they would to get off. They would now. roll, yeah, they'd roll over a little bit to be honest. Um, so you know, they, they've secured the safety now, and I think that's the hope that maybe you know the intensity that that his teams were at the functional best when they had to be intense, and now that there's no need for that to happen. As you know, maybe they were against City last weekend. I might repeat itself again. Uh, Mike Gerling, is that is that vain hope, or do you think there's something in that? No, I agree. I think they've done. They've d- he's done what he, he was brought in to do. He's on. He's um, he wants to get home and watch Emmerdale. He's going to get off soon as he's, it, it, the season's finished for him. He wants to get home, go to a Burnie in with his wife. He's done. He loves a Carvery. Yep, he loves a Carvery. He loves a Carvery, yep. Mike Nevin. Um, I'm not saying where, where, what's your Carvery stance. <laughs> I used to go to the odd one, but I couldn't be bothered now. It's hard work, I think. Just have one at home. Yeah, it's hard work. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I don't, people leave it to the like, missus. The massive on the Whittle. I don't like It's the Whittle for I you. I don't like Carvery. Sorry to any Whittleites. Um, there will be some listening, but it's all right. No, just I mean, on the game, if you want to ask me about the game, which is probably what we're here for and not Carveries. I don't know. You I tell don't, me. I, I, don't know, I don't know what the listeners like, to be honest with you. Okay, well, um, I'll talk about the game. I'm on safer ground than I am with Carveries. Um, I'm not really worried about it, to be perfectly honest. I think it'll take care of itself. Um, I think, do, you think, I, do you think we can batter them? This is the key thing. If the Ev win, sorry, if the Ev don't do the business for us and City win, can we go to Palace? And, and, and can we do the thing in Palace that Martin Fitzgerald keeps saying to me, which is we score after five minutes, don't celebrate, get the ball, put it back on the centre spot, kick off again, get one, 18 minutes gone, we're 3-0 up, we haven't celebrated a single goal yet, they're all looking at each other going, these lads are mad, we don't fancy this, we're 3-0 down and up. I mean, is that plausible or am I talking as ever broken biscuits? It's not beyond the realms of possibility, it's very unlikely, but... You know, if Liverpool did score after five or six minutes and then got a second in, in say, 15 minutes, then I'd expect that to be the, um, the the stance of the players anyway because they'd be ultimately professional. And, you know, they wouldn't be doing their job if they weren't aware of the goal difference possibility. And ultimately, it could get to a situation where we need to beat Newcastle 8-0 on the last day. And the way Newcastle have been recently, well, then that's, that's, that's feasible. <laughs> I also I think the timing of the game doesn't help Liverpool either psychologically because of the the, the the timing of the game, but also as we were saying about Everton, the Crystal Palace lads are professional players, and a Monday night game at Sellers Park in front of a full house with the floodlights is totally time. yeah it's totally different to playing a you know on a Saturday lunchtime game or a Sunday one thirty or something you know it's a Monday night under the floodlights and whatever state the players are in the fans are going to be well up for it it's going to be a really good atmosphere for. For the Palace place, and it's going to be quite a celebration. It's going to be their final home game. They've stayed up. They'll, they'll, they'll probably you know, take the applause after the match. So you know, even if they're not as up for it as they may have normally been, I think the fans really. It's vital we start quickly for me. It's really important we we treat that like a home game. We've got to try and blitz them. First I think that work, that work potentially could work both ways, though. I mean, if Everton do do us the favour that we all want on Saturday, then you could be uh, you could see the most rampant Liverpool away away end uh, in you know decades at Crystal Palace, and I'm sure there's there's thousands going down there anyway. But if um, if Everton have got a point on on Saturday, I think that'll be ramped up times too. We can put five past them. That's what I'm saying. You're quite down about this. I'm not. We're going to batter them. John Gibbons. Sounds great. I'm, I'm on Gerling's team. Yeah. I think I think. The, I mean, it's, it's, you're right to bring up the home fans, but I think the, the away crowd, there's going to be a lot of Liverpool fans in that crowd. I know Crystal Palace had to basically 
have meetings about how we're going to stop all these Liverpool fans who are buying all these tickets and you know, you know, things like that. And, and I'm sure more have got around them. I know lots of people who are going down and you know haven't got tickets in the way, and but it's still hoping sure. to pick up ones, you know, in the home set and things like that. So I think I w- it wouldn't surprise me if, if there's if there's thousands of Liverpool fans who who do manage to get in, and I think that's going to be a huge thing for them. And they have had a great season, but I think it's just going to be a little bit party time for whatever for Palace. I mean, they've stayed up, but I think they'll be determined to have a bit of a celebration. So I don't think it'll be necessarily a hostile atmosphere. I think they'll just be uh, enjoying themselves. One night, one night was it when we beat Tottenham five 0 it's a Monday, wasn't it? No, that was no, Sunday, four o'clock. Sunday, four, Sunday 4 o'clock. Sunday 4 o'clock. It was dark. It was dark. It was just December, you know, the party. <laughs> it felt like that. Yeah. Felt, felt like the same. Yeah, no, it, I know. It, well, same, same, same city. Floodlights were on. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's like you're probably looking at, he's almost certainly going to bring Sturridge back in if Sturridge is fully fit, isn't he? Sturridge comes back in. Probably Lucas who misses out. This side still misses Henderson. Absolutely. I think uh, that showed last week. Um, I mean, I know everybody has been saying how well Henderson has done, but it just... You know the pressing that we were talking about before, particularly at Palace, is, is, is going to be needed. Um, but for me, yeah, I think uh, Sturridge has got to be the one that comes in for Lucas. He he was kind of first half. I thought Lucas was, was everywhere, but did nothing. If you if you know what I mean, last weekend, and yeah, I still don't feel he, he's adjusted to his this position that he's he's meant to be playing. Um, like I, I I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. I think remember speaking to you about it. Yeah. it. And like he said, he think he realises he's going to have to adjust his position really to stay in the long term at Liverpool because obviously he's not going to displace Gerrard in that position. And I'm just not sure with all the injuries that he has had that his body will allow himself to do that role anymore. He, um, he looked to me like he, I thought he was yeah. making all the right runs. He just yeah. wasn't literally quick enough to do what the run needed to do, yeah. and that was happening quite consistently, both in with and without the ball. You know, it was it was almost a bit painful to watch. It really was a situation where this fellow can't accelerate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 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 an he's an intelligent player, Lucas, and he knows the game inside out. But as I said, if you've had knee injuries, you know, hamstring injuries, that they're, they're the uh, groin injuries, they're, they're the ones that are going to you know knock you up as as a player. I think, mm. and I'm not saying he's finished, but you know, to to go and play that position, he needs a full pre-season behind him as well, which. You know, his season's been stop start again, so... I, I think there's a need for us to freshen it up a bit. I, I'd play Sterling a bit deeper. Um, I, he's got the ability to do it. I think there's a, we need to freshen things up a little bit there. I think Sturridge and Suarez have been looking knackered um, and, and they're not at the peak of their powers. And I think with Henderson not being in there, I think there's an argument for bringing Sterling back a little bit with his ability and his pace. Um, and maybe even if we can get Sturridge and Suarez back up there, great. I think we might need to just freshen it up a little bit. Um, how and who, I don't know. But I think I'd probably bring Sterling further back into that kind of Henderson role if it was me. OK, OK. I'm going to get you to do your predictions there very, very quickly. Mike Nevin, City's off 105.9. Just set that there so in case we get at the end. Mike Nevin. Uh, well, I'm going to, I'll go for us to win the game. 3-0. I reckon it'll be 3-0 at half-time. 3-0. OK, Mike Gerling. 5-0, Liverpool. Simon Hughes. 3-2 Liverpool. Sean Rogers. The opposite of City score. The City, City score. win, we lose. City drop points, we win. John, what are you going with? We beat Palace 6-1, didn't we, once? Yeah, That's first good. game of the season, about 94. Yeah, one of them. That's what you want. You <laughs> same, want one same of them. goal scorers. Excellent stuff. <laughs> Thanks very, very much to... Uh, Sound City for having us here today and thanks to them for putting the whole festival on. Thanks to City Talk as well for letting us get outside the studio and get outside the tower. It also means I haven't talked about the weather once, which is a massive bonus for the listener. This is the Anfield Wrap and Liverpool are going, whether they like it or not, to win the Football League. See you next time. The Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9.